The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. I'm Clay Link, alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. Shout out to New Day and the UDAE for the song Comb Over, our intro this season. James, we're going to be going over your latest Farm Futures piece, California League Roundup. But as you said on Twitter, kind of thin in the California leagues in terms of impact players. So what we're also going to be doing is redrafting the first 30 picks from the 2014 first-year player draft. Yeah, I mean, I had to get creative here to to give this podcast a little substance because oh, that was a great idea. You know, to be honest, 
I've, I haven't seen the Cal League this down in terms of impact talent since I've been following prospects. It's it's really bad. Uh, the top two prospects in the league are Grant Holmes and Josh Naylor. Uh, third best Look prospect out. is Usniel Diaz. I mean, he's probably got the most upside of anyone in the in the league. But uh, it's just it's it's an interesting league. Like I'm glad that I that I got in depth on it because it kind of helps me, um, you know, keep tabs on some of these guys. You got a lot of guys that are going to be kind of in contention for like the back uh, 50 spots or so of the the top 200 over the off season, but uh, just not. I mean, these are guys. If, I mean, if you're listening to a, a prospect podcast, you're you're probably in some pretty deep dynasty leagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, you're going to be wanting to check this article out on on the site and everything. But um, you know, we're not talking about guys that are really even commodities af- after the first few names. Yeah, and the first one you do mention here is Grant Holmes. Was of course traded to the A's as part of the package for Josh Reddick and Rich Hill. Uh, Numbers, you know, don't look particularly good, but 100, 101 strikeouts in 109 in the third innings, is he the class of the California League right now, at least in terms of pitching? Yeah, well, definitely in terms of pitching. Uh, not not really that close there. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, I think he's a pretty safe bet to stick as a starter. He's taking a step back this year in terms of control and limiting base runners had a pretty rough first start uh for for Stockton after that trade uh he's I mean yeah we, we probably touched on him even last week with that that trade uh that trade podcast where we were kind of breaking stuff down there mm-hmm. I mean he he was the headliner in the the trade that netted the Dodgers Rich Hill and jo- and Josh Reddick so you know he's he's legit but he's not he's not going to be a number one he's not going to be a number two unless he, he takes a big step forward with the the command and control we talked about josh naylor as well uh definitely an interesting guy but going to be a long ways off and of course you know the hitting environment not only in san diego but in the a- uh, nl west uh, not particularly favorable uh do you think he's got a good enough hit tool though to where the power will play at the major league level yeah, I just I worry about the on base. I mean, I think he's going to hit for a fairly high average, you know, 260, 270 in kind of his low years, but I don't think he's going to walk that much. So I, I yeah, could hasn't see, walked since joining Mike yeah, Elsinore. I, I could see, you know, if he does end up coming up with the Padres, they they might grow a little tired of him, you know, getting on base at a 310, 320 clip, but as long as he's playing every day, the, the counting stat should be there. Let's talk about Yusniel Diaz and the Dodgers organization. 19-year-old, uh, you know, faring pretty well, especially for his age at this level. 265, 335, 404. Not a ton of power yet, but five homers. Uh, where does he rank among the Dodgers prospects that are still you know, prospect eligible and in the minor leagues? Uh, let's see. Let me pull that up. He's, you know, I just traded him actually in, in Staff Keeper League 2 uh, as part of a, a package to get Ian Kinsler. I I really didn't want to do it. He was like the only minor leaguer I had that had any value because uh, I traded him all away. But he he's a, he's a perfect buy low, so I, I felt bad selling him at this point. I have him ranked 7th right now, uh, really firmly in that 7th spot. The, the six guys ahead of him, Julio 
uh, Urias, uh, Alex Verdugo, Jose De Leon, Willie Calhoun, Cody Bellinger, Yadier Alvarez, all comfortably ahead of him, but he's comfortably ahead of the guys behind him. So uh, safely in that seven spot. Um, this is a guy that, you know, obviously got off to a bit of a slow start. He was one of the three youngest players in the league to start the year. This was his first assignment stateside, having just signed with the Dodgers uh, out of Cuba in the offseason. Uh, so you under you understood why he got off to a bit of a slow start. Then he misses a month with an undisclosed injury, comes back, though, and, and since coming back he's hitting 300, 354, 483 with a pair of home runs over 14 games. So if you can swoop in and try to trade for this guy right now, I could see him finishing the year hot. Uh, I mean, there's a reason why the Dodgers gave him this aggressive assignment to high A. If he finishes the year kind of on this, this same sort of pace, he'll easily be a top 100 guy coming into the year next year, possibly uh, kind of on that, that fringe of the top 50 even, just kind of given the, the bat speed and the, the overall ath- athleticism. Yeah. And he's got, a, he's got a good approach too. I mean, you, you'd expect to see a guy – uh, sort of with his traits, uh, have some contact issues, maybe struggle to draw some walks, but he's pretty good in that department as well. Yeah, definitely very interesting. Just well-rounded package there with the athleticism, bat speed, and, and approach, as you mentioned. It's interesting, uh, 5 for 11 on stolen base attempts, and again, athletic guy, but if we're looking at, at steals, is this a guy who's probably going to run less and less as he gets up the ladder? Uh I just don't think there's – I don't think we can really say yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's attempted 11, thrown out on five. You know, it takes a while for a guy to kind of figure out how to become a good base dealer. He doesn't have plus plus speed. Um, probably doesn't have plus speed either. He's probably a 55, 50 runner maybe. So, you know, maybe if he, if he gets a little bit better in terms of efficiency, he could be a 10, 15 steal guy initially uh, when he breaks in. But – um, that's not going to be kind of his carrying tool. Yeah, and uh, Julio Urias may lose that prospect eligibility, so maybe moving up uh, another rung on the ladder. Maybe, I mean, I, I don't know if things will necessarily change next year, but a guy who could be a top 100 prospect heading into next season and then uh, maybe a fast riser with, with promotions and graduations. Let's talk about Luis Urias, though, in the Padres system. He's a 19-year-old. Do you have him 111 uh on your overall top 200 rank, second baseman, really off to an outstanding start. What's the overall skills package with, with your eyes? These guys are always tricky. The the second baseman where you're not sure how much they're going to offer in terms of power and speed. Uh, but he's the youngest player in the league and he's walking more than he's striking out. He's hitting 326. Uh, he's got five homers. Uh, he made a, a brief three-game run with AAA El Paso back in July, and he hit one out with El Paso, and it was to the opposite field. So he's only five nine, one sixty. Yeah, I mean, I, I think people are really quick to to say a guy like this isn't going to hit for power because it, you know second baseman five nine, uh, and he's probably not going to hit. He's never probably never going to hit twenty homers in a season. But I think just kind of based on what he's showing right now, the fact that he he's got some oppo field power uh just a really good approach you know he knows how to how to drive the ball to all fields he's not a super strong guy but he's got a kind of compact stroke i think he could be a 15 homer guy down the road i mean you just you always got to pay attention to these guys when they're extremely young for a level and handling it the way that he is i mean Mm. those guys not always sometimes though they go on to sort of be guys that we see ranked in the top 20 down the road 
Yeah, absolutely. We'll move on to Cody Reed, the other Cody Reed. Uh, but like the real Cody Reed, I'm kidding. Uh, in the Reds organization, Cody Reed. Yeah, similar numbers. Yeah, had Vasalia. Uh, you know, they've kind of had a similar narrative this year with the jump uh, between levels really resulting in some, some major struggles. Reed was off to a great start. Uh, I think it was with Kansas this year. 1.82 ERA, 0.89 whip, but now a 6.06 ERA, 1.62 whip. Uh, with high A Vesalia, really not looking great. But is there still? You know, he was a guy who was taken in that 2014 draft that we're going to redo the first round of. Is he a guy that you still are optimistic about long term? Well, it's been really, you know, it's been a kind of a true bell curve in terms of what his value's been like throughout the season. I I was probably higher on him than most coming into the year. I, I liked uh, his competitiveness, his three pitch mix. Uh, you know, he, he had really good strikeout numbers in the lower levels. And then he just went on a crazy run at low A, like you mentioned. And then since getting to high A, he's pre- pretty much crashed and burned in terms of a, a dynasty league stock. Uh, still a top 200 guy for me. But, I mean, if he were to kind of continue on this trajectory over the rest of the season and not show any signs of kind of figuring it out a little bit, he might drop out of that 200. Uh, I mean, this is this is kind of what I mean. Like, we're we're talking about – you know, what is this, the sixth guy I have here in the league? And, and we're t- talking about a guy who's borderline top 200 guy. Um, you know, I, I mean, a lot of fallers, it seems like. Yeah, this, I mean, it, it is. Level. That is a huge. I mean, we let's briefly just, you know, Forrest Wall, Javier Guerra, yeah, yeah. or two of the other guys. Um, I mean, Wall those, was a guy I was optimistic about and traded for yeah, as part of a package in staff, too. You honestly, you look at Wall and Guerra, they might be the two biggest fallers on the position player side this year, just based on where, where we had him b- before the season. And uh, with Wall, I think it was just a. Uh, you know, I think I overrated his hit tool a tiny bit and the rest of the numbers are kind of, you know, maybe where you'd expect him to be, but I, I thought he'd actually be closer to like a 300, 310 hitter this year in high A. Uh, hasn't been the case, 257, you know, he's just, he's not, he doesn't impact the baseball that, that often. Um, you know, he's, he's not stealing bases with the efficiency I would like to see either. I mean, this was a guy that, that could have maybe been a five-category second baseman. Doesn't really look like that's going to be the case. He's he's not uh, taken to the level as expected. And then Javier Guerra, probably the biggest disappointment in dynasty leagues or real-life prospects this year. I mean, this was a guy that I remember some uh, Padres beat writers when that trade happened were saying that they thought Guerra was the better of the two prospects they got in the, the Margot and Garrett trade for for Kimbrel and obviously that looks silly now. Margot's had an excellent year. Garrett's really really struggled. He still shows above average power, uh, but I, you know questions are starting to emerge as to whether he can stick at shortstop. He's he's got like thirty errors there on the season, uh, hitting two hundred two, striking out at t- leads. I mean this this is about as bad a combination you could ask for. He leads the league in strikeouts. And is in the bottom five in slugging percentage among qualified hitters. That's that's Oof. not where you want to be at all. No. It doesn't really. I don't care where where you play if you play shortstop or not. I mean, that's not a good combination. If you're going to strike out that much, you better at least be doing some damage uh, with the ball. And and he's he's not doing that at all. Yeah, he really hasn't panned out so far. But would you say that you know as, as far as AJ Preller, 
GM of the Padres goes, you know, he's kind of the butt of some jokes there for a while. And of course that attempt to compete last year fell flat on his face. But you think maybe the narrative's switching a little bit and he's, he's doing a good job building up that system. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, Luis Urias wasn't on a, a ton of, uh, you know, people's list. I mean, I don't don't think he's on any list coming into the year. He's already close to our top 100. Uh, you know, I mentioned that Guerra kind of flopped, but Margot, you know, I don't, I don't think the pot, I mean, I don't think the Red Sox today would necessarily trade Margot for Kimbrel. Um, I don't think many yeah, teams would. Not. I mean, Margot's looking like a potential future all-star center fielder. So. And they get Anderson Espinosa from right, the Red Sox as well. Espinosa, I mean, they They've added a ton of pieces, uh, kind of some of them have been kind of more stealth moves too. I mean, the Chris Paddock move was, was great till he ended up needing Tommy John. Uh, a lot of, you know, their, some of their draft picks are off to, to solid starts this year. And then the last, I mean, I guess quickly we'll touch on two more guys and get onto the, the draft. Michael Geddes, uh, who they, who also was part of this draft class that we're going to, uh, revisit. He's uh, really kind of killing it since since getting promoted to uh, high A. Uh, kind of showing a, a bit of a five tool or a five category uh, package here. I mean, he's he's stealing bases at a, at a pretty solid clip. That's obviously the big selling point with Geddes is the the plus plus speed, uh, but hitting for a little power. He's he's a muscular guy. I mean, he's not he's not a slap hitter, uh, speed guy. He can he can show a little pop at times. And then uh, Eniel De Los Santos is is probably one of the better maybe if not the best pitching prospect in their system behind Espinosa. Uh, Geddes and De Los Santos are both kind of fringe top 10 guys in that system right now, but honestly that kind of speaks to how far that system's come. Yeah, we got a, a Profar brother in, in here as well. <laughs> a Profar sighting, no doubt. Jeremy Profar. Don't know much about him, but doing pretty well. Uh, maybe you got to keep an eye on we will see. I mean, only 42 Ks, 28 walks, and 302 at bats, 295 average. You know, you know, I'm a pro far mark. So anybody <laughs> with that last name, there's a ton of, uh, there's a ton of guys down further down this article that you can kind of dream on. Uh, pro far is more kind of a floor guy, but there, there's a lot of guys here where it's, there's, there's at least one tool that you get really excited about. And then you kind of look at the rest of the package and you're like, Oh yeah, I guess, I guess there's not a ton to see here. Check out the latest farm futures for yourself, roadwire.com slash pod for a free 10 day trial. No credit card required, no strings attached. Again, we are going to be redrafting the first 30 picks of the 2014 draft. Interesting draft for sure. Uh, I'll be starting with the first pick. Astros had the first pick, of course, took Brady Aiken, then just alternating. I'm really looking forward to having the odd numbers so I can redraft uh, the Reds two you can, picks. You can here. try to make up for. I mean, what would be the right the right word to describe what they did in that that first round of that draft? Uh, <laughs> catastrophe. Yeah, that might be it. Um, <laughs> I mean, as a fan, just nauseating, <laughs> um, humiliating, <laughs> humiliating, humiliating might yeah. be good. But you know, there's it's a situation. I said it last week where the Reds are just getting left in the dust by a lot of teams, and uh, it's easy to you know revisionist history. But I think even at the time, we all were kind of like. Nobody was excited about those picks. No. I remember Nick Howard. I was like, oh, God, really? Because <laughs> like, at the time, even, it was like, this guy's a reliever. Yeah. Like, have fun Maybe. with that. <laughs> if that. But first, guys, a couple quick words from our sponsors. 
Nobody ever gets in their car thinking, I'm drunk, I'm driving, and I'm going to kill someone tonight. They think, I've had a few drinks, but I'm okay to drive. Or, I only live a few minutes from here, or I've gotten away with this plenty of times before. And they think like that right up until the moment they kill someone. Thousands of people are killed in drunk driving crashes every year. It's better to be safe than sorry. Download the free Safe Driver app to help you call a taxi or send a friend to your location when you've been drinking. Drive sober or get pulled over. And do you need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website. With hundreds of designer-made, customizable templates to choose from, the drag-and-drop editor, there is no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy and that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. The result is stunning. Um, but this will be fun because there were some definitely some value picks in the this was, second and third round. That's what I. That's what really stands out to me about this draft is the amount of value. Like mm. if, you know, when you redo this draft, it it's not even close to chalk. No. All right, so I got number one pick here with the Astros. And, you know, I was on the fence a little bit, but I'm going to go Kyle Schwarber. Obviously hurt right now. Maybe some questions about his viability behind the plate long term. But, I, I mean, that hit tool is is awesome. And if we're just thinking you know, kind of in context of this draft, I'm an, I'm an AL team. I can, oh, I can yeah. plug him in at DH. So I think Schwarber is the guy for me. Yep, he was the guy atop my board. I'll go Trey Turner. Yeah. Uh he ended up going 13 to the Padres here. I, you know, another reason that this this draft kind of stood out to me was I was actually thinking the other day, watching Turner play. How does that guy go 13 in that draft? Yeah, he was. You know, he's looked awesome you got a, so far. A shortstop with plus plus maybe even 80 grade speed, and mm-hmm. you know the guy just he makes he makes an impact on the game on, on both sides of the ball. I, I love walking out of a draft like this with with a college shortstop with those kind of tools. All right, so I got the third pick of the White Sox. They took Carlos Rodon, of course. Uh, Not a terrible pick, but at this point it's not looking great. Um, Give me one second here because my my draft tracker is not not working properly. Um, Okay, cool. Yeah, I was going to take Verdugo. Trying to find Alex Verdugo, where he went in like the second or third. He went number sixty-two overall. Yeah, uh, and I like that pick quite a bit. Uh, Verdugo, he's cool. Character off. concerns, right? <laughs> or the reason why he fell in this face draft? concerns. Uh, <laughs> Look, I'm going to get him on that forty-man ASAP and let him blow as much tree as he he's wants. He's not the type of guy that I, w- I would be putting on like a, a billboard outside my stadium necessarily <laughs> or, or on like a season ticket package but no. um you know he he's gonna help you win games uh i'm actually you know number four overall picking for the cubs verdugo actually is there anyone that seems more like a kind of south side of chicago uh staple than verdugo yeah. i think i think he'd actually become a, a fan favorite in, in yeah. very short order uh, I think so too. I, i'm actually i'm gonna go carlos rodon at number four 
Uh, I know it's been a rough go for him so far uh, this year. I mean, he's, he's definitely let some people down. I still think there are signs, though, that, that he he's going to figure it out. I mean, there's with, with pitching prospects, I feel like you have to – you have to be patient sometimes, and I'm not ready to to give up on him. And just looking at the rest of the pitchers available, I, I think they all kind of come with you know a flaw or two, or maybe upside concerns. And, and I think Rodon still has you know number two starter upside down the road. So I'll take him at four. Nice. Okay, next pick for me, the Twins at number five. I'm going to go down to the competitive balance round B and go with San Diaz. Oh, a guy I picked up in, in SKL two for, uh, sorry, who was that closer? I'm, uh, I'm just spacing. Britain. on Britain. Oh yeah. Zach Britton. Uh, was really happy to, to get him obviously a long the ways expiring away. Britain. Yeah. Or, expiring you know, Britain. Not a... I mean, that's, I think, and this was from a, a Brewers fan, of course, of course, it was the Diamondbacks who took Diaz in the 2014 draft, but I just think long ways away. We got to see him, though, in person this year, hit an opposite field homer, ton of raw power, and I think once he comes up, we could be looking at a guy who's you know, top 7 to 10 fantasy shortstop. Yeah, I, I think he's a guy you got to consider. Uh, and I think big league teams really, really kind of whiffed on this guy. Yeah. I mean, he came out of the Northeast. uh you know, those prep prep guys from the Northeast often get underscouted. So, I mean, I'm sure some teams didn't even have uh, too many looks on him, but uh, definitely a guy that, that fell fell way too far in the original draft. Yeah. I'll take uh, Michael Conforto with the sixth pick. You know, obviously a guy that is, you know, maybe this is going to be a trend for my team, kind of buying, buying low on some guys in Rodon and now Conforto. But uh, Conforto's just been completely mismanaged by mm-hmm. the Mets this year and – uh, it's really kind of a joke. I mean, they they played Ty Kelly, I believe, in left field yesterday. Batted him second with a with a <laughs> lefty on the mound because you know what? You can't start Michael Conforto against a lefty. You just you can't. just can't do it. It's the I mean, laws of physics and look, nature. He hasn't proven that he can't hit lefties, but I mean, why why give him that opportunity? Well, he has struggled this year, but I mean, it's for a developing player like that. He's he's raked against lefties in the minors, <clears throat> and I just think. Do you want do you do you want to have it be possible at all that he could be an everyday player, or do you mm-hmm. just want? To, I mean, they've also kind of put themselves in a bind with the way they've constructed that roster, where they just have too many repetitive outfielders that hit right hit righties, yeah. and they just don't really have time for or have room for all of them to get regular bats. But it's just to me, if I'm a team and I can bring him in with the plan of, of playing him every day and letting him kind of fight through some initial struggles maybe against lefties, I think I have a, a future number three, number four, number five hitter maybe. Look, Terry Collins is trying to get fired. Like, that's <clears throat> accepted as, as fact at this point, right? Because it's – look, I, I know that it's so. – they made the World Series last year, but uh, it's been a struggle. And, of course, he's the guy who's going to shoulder the blame, as he probably should, but – it hasn't been quite all his fault. It's He's made been, some uh, awful tactical yeah. decisions. Also, uh, some injuries. And some injuries. Um, I mean, he his the the amount of times I think the amount of times he's used Yuri's Familia this year has been a complete joke. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's probably time to start over there. Yeah, I think you know they have that great great base, and I think even after last year, it's time to wave the white flag because I don't see them even if they do make a wild card wild card game i don't see them doing much at all so the phillies at number seven they took aaron nola and that was looking like a great pick but now that he's hurt 
Uh, I think you can can make a case to go another way. I'll go Bradley Zimmer here. I like that. He was he was up there for me on on my board. He's uh, he actually suffered Injured. a finger yeah. injury today. Uh, hopefully that's not too serious. Never bunt. Never <laughs> ever bunt. No. Um, well, I mean in in the minor leagues, especially. I mean, yeah, what, exactly. What the hell? Especially the when you're Bradley Zimmer. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's let's use our our top prospect on the the team to, to yeah. bunt. I mean, he he obviously could have called his own number there, but who knows? Um, I'm I'm gonna go Michael Kopich at number eight with the Rockies. Uh, you know, pitching in Coors Field is is a big pain in the ass, obviously. But I, I think the one thing that we've kind of learned from from John Gray's success is if you get guys that can throw hard, and even go back to Ubaldo Jimenez, that that one uh, crazy year he had. If you get guys that can throw hard. And, and can spin a breaking ball and, and you know get ahead in the count with the fastball and even get strikeouts with the fastball. Like, I think Kopich can. He, he touched triple digits. I mean, he touched 106. I mean, it was probably a hot gun. But, uh, I mean, he's got the type of arsenal that could lead to success in Coors Field, I think. So I'd, I'd roll with him there. Number nine, the Blue Jays took Jeff Hoffman. And this is another one where, you know, this may actually be the pick. He's looked – Really good so far this season. We've seen John Gray have some success mm-hmm. in cores this year, and they've really kind of put together a surprisingly competitive team. I don't think they're going to compete for a playoff spot like a lot of people think. But instead of Hoffman here, you know, we, we talked before this year's draft about, you know, kind of emphasizing bats, and I want to do that here. Blue Jays aren't light on bats, definitely not hurting in that department. But I'll go with a guy who's struggled out of the gate this year and to begin his major league career. Still have some hope for him long term. He went in the second round in 2014. AJ Reed, he was the top guy on my board. So uh, I mean, again, I mean he'll be he'll be great. He'll I, be I think fine. In, in Houston. I mean, imagining him in in Toronto where they <clears throat> can also use the DH with him. Uh, he'd be a great guy to kind of step in as the the long term. And just Keep, to be clear, you're not not worried. I mean, maybe expectations have been <laughs> dialed back a little bit, but. You think he'll he'll figure it out? I mean, I think it's natural to be to have a you know a bit more doubt in your head than you you may have like a month ago. Uh, but I still I still like him plenty. Uh, mm-hmm. If anything, I'm trying to buy him in dynasty leagues right now. Can you imagine just the amount of pure beef that you could see between oh, him God. and him and Rowdy Telez in the middle of an order? I love that. Just beef just, city, just fat heads. I mean, both wearing size eight, eight or above, <laughs> new eras, and and just just beefing up the place. Man, I want Rowdy Torres <laughs> everywhere if I can in Dynasty. I'm I'm picking ten. This is the Mets. This is where they took Conforto. I'm going to take Luke Weaver. Uh, I like that for the Cardinals. He uh, he ended up going 27 to the Cardinals in this draft. Uh, guy that I I don't think has frontline upside, although just kind of the way he goes goes about his business does kind of remind me a little bit of Cole Hamels. Uh, he's got some kind of some Zach Granke in him too, uh, but I, I do think he's kind of more of a number three. His his numbers, it, so the Cardinals push him through the the system this year. I was shocked that he even made it to AAA, and then they're just gonna go go quickly to to the big leagues with him. And he's not only you know done enough to to get promoted, but he's just been absolutely dominant at these levels that I don't think anyone really projected him to be pitching at this year. Uh, I think that that you know at, at ten to get a, a guy that I think is a, a pretty safe number three long term is is a pretty good value. Yeah, I'm absolutely with you there. So 
Back to the Blue Jays here at 11. They picked 9-11 with Hoffman, then Max Pentecost. I'm going to go with, you know, I, I took Bradley Zimmer. I'm going to take another uh, Indians member here, Bobby Bradley. They did really well in that draft. Bobby Bradley in Toronto it would be be pretty fun to watch. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> he's a guy that, obviously there's plenty of contact concerns, but he's been young for all of his levels. The power continues to be there. He just has really, really special power. So yeah, I'm just going to outslug everybody there's with, a, with know, Reed and yeah, – Yeah, I mean, A.J. Reed, Bobby Bradley, that's, that's, that's going to score some runs. Uh, That'll work. Picking 12, Brewers are picking here. They took Cody Medeiros. That won't be the pick this time around. Uh, injury or not, I'm going to take Aaron Nola here. <clears throat> I think that, you know, it, it had been a rough rough few months for him after that hot start, but I still think the, the peripherals suggest that he, he hadn't really been quite that bad. I still think long-term he's he's a solid middle of rotation starter. Pick 13, and that's where Trey Turner went originally. You, of course, taking him number two in this redraft. Padre's not going to get a shortstop quite of that caliber, but a shortstop who is promising nonetheless. And Nick Gordon, take yeah. Nick Gordon here. Uh, Want to see you know how the the bat plays as he moves up to the upper levels, but I, I think he'll uh, maybe not be a, a huge impact guy, but a guy who's relevant in fantasy for for many years. I love the fit here at fourteen. I'm picking with the San Francisco Giants. They originally took Tyler Beatty. I'm taking Jeff Hoffman. I think you give Hoffman AT&T, and I think you're, you're talking about a, an SP2 probably in fantasy uh, for a long time. And you know, it's a shame that he, he won't have the benefit of, of pitching in San Francisco for half his games. But, uh, you know, Hoffman in any other ballpark would be one of the top pitching prospects in baseball. Yeah, I'm absolutely with you here. Let me think about this one. Um, just need a second here. I'll go with Luis Ortiz. Yeah, I've been going kind of light uh, on on the pitching side. Go with a good good fit right here. Um, I know you know we're trying to to make this work, and I, but this actually does because it's it's the Angels who took Sean Newcomb originally. Uh, I'm just a little higher on on Ortiz. Newcomb may be fine, but I think the walks ultimately hold him back, and it's been the case throughout the years with him. All right, I'm picking 16 Diamondbacks. Originally took Tuki Toussaint. Uh, and then they they sold him to <laughs> the um, yeah just gave to the Braves. Uh, I'm going to take Brent Honeywell here. I think you know. I mean, the, he ended up going 72nd overall in this draft originally. That's looking like a big time steal for the Rays. He's another guy that kind of like Weaver has just cruised through the system this year. <clears throat> and another guy that that like Weaver, I think there's there's a slight chance that he's a Maybe a number two starter, but I think he's he's probably more of a number three. Obviously, features the screwball, uh, excellent con- command and control. I think he's he's going to be up in the big leagues at some point next year, and and he'll be a, a kind of a high floor guy from the get go. Yeah, I, I would think so as well. Um, okay, so I am at number seventeen here. Brandon Finnegan was the pick, and you know I do like Finnegan. I think he's. Uh, a pretty solid fit here, but let me just look over some more options real quick. Uh, still a lot of players who are taken early still on the board. I mean, Alex Jackson, uh, Max Pentecost, Medeiros. Uh, you know, hmm. I'll probably go probably go Grant Holmes here. 
I like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of pit, a lot of pitching out yeah. there right now. It's kind of just take take your pick. Who do you like the most? Uh, definitely like that pick. Uh, we talked talked about Holmes earlier. Obviously, uh, pick an eighteen for the Nationals. They took Eric Fetty here. I think that's an extremely reasonable pick. I could easily go go with Fetty. I'm gonna go Reese Hoskins though. He ended up going 142 overall in this draft to the Phillies. Uh, dudes leading the minor leagues in home runs. Obviously playing in a, a hitting hitting friendly environment and reading, but uh, you know, he to me, it it's it's legit power. It's not. Um, I think of of him and his teammate Dylan Cousins. I think Cousins is a bit more fluky in terms of, of taking advantage of the, the home conditions, whereas I think Hoskins, uh, that, the power travels with him. Uh, I feel pretty good about him being an everyday first baseman. Nice. Okay, let me uh, let me look here. This, this is, is it. This one. is it. This and I one. think <laughs> this is a pick that, you know, I, I feel fine with. You said Fetty, and I, he was definitely under consideration here. But I'm going to go Sean Reed Foley. What he's done this year has been really impressive. The move up from low A to high A hasn't missed a beat. In fact, the number is even better. Ten starts with high A Dun uh is it Dunedin? 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 Whatever it is. But it really impressive. Uh two six seventy RA oh eight nine whip. Seventy one strikeouts and just fifty seven and a third to sixteen walks. I mean anybody here would be an upgrade over Nick Howard, but I think with, with Reed Foley I'm feeling really good about the Reds future. Yeah, Reed Foley was tops on my board there. I mean, really cleaned up the command this year, starting to look like a potential, you know, maybe not front of the rotation, but but close to the front of the rotation starter for the for the Jays. Yeah, and he went 49th overall in yeah. this draft. Yeah, I mean, a lot of good value in this draft. Uh, picking 20th uh, for the Rays here. They took Casey Gillespie. I think that's, that's a fine pick. That, nobody's going to make fun of him for that pick. I'm taking Mitch Keller who the Pittsburgh Pirates took uh, 64th overall. This is another guy with, you know, a, a slight chance of being a bit better in a mid-rotation guy, but I think, you know, maybe perhaps of all the guys I've taken so far, but maybe the exceptional Weaver, he might have the, the safest floor in terms of being, uh, you know, at least a number four starter, maybe a number three. And, you know, at this point in the draft, pretty much every team would take a – guaranteed number four starter in the mm-hmm. in the 20s i mean because that that's that's extremely valuable in, in terms of getting that under control for six years i think keller would be a fine pick here yeah and then so i'll be back at 21 with the indians who did take bradley zimmer if we're redoing this i think he goes significantly higher but if we're at 21 right now uh this is a guy who i, I also traded for and it fits kind of that mold that you just said a guy who's you know kind of has a floor as a number four starter and pretty safe and good value when you get this deep into the first round. That's Jack Flaherty. Yeah. I think he's a guy that, you know, I'm not that you know excited about acquiring him, but I think he'll be a guy that when he comes up, I'll be able to plug in eventually. Uh, maybe the stock will tick up so I can use him as a trade piece, but if not, he'll be a guy that I'll, I'll plug in and he'll be a, a fine maybe fantasy six or seven type of pitcher. Yeah, I think he's he's a great pick there. Uh, picking number 22 for the Dodgers. I'm going to go digging deep again. Dylan Cease, who the Cubs nice. nabbed at uh, 169 overall. Uh, crazy value. Now he's he's touching triple digits. He's kind of figuring out the, the rest of his repertoire as we speak. Stock trending up. You know, At the very least, you got a, a high leverage reliever 
possibly a, a frontline starter if everything works. So I think at, at 22, you can't hope to do much better than that. Yeah, that's really strong. So the, the Tigers at 23, they took Derek Hill, outfielder. I'll go Eric Fetty here. All right. I think they kind of need an arm, and I think that's a pretty good fit. Yeah, he, he had to come off the board pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, now picking number 24 for the Pirates. Hmm. It's tough, man. I, I mean, this a lot is... of guys that I just not in love with. Um, hey, Nick Howard's still on the board. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget. Uh, I'm going to take Justice Sheffield. Uh, That's, yeah, Indians nice. grabbed him 31st overall. And I think you put him in that ballpark. You, you give him that the tutelage of the legendary <laughs> Ray Searage, who shockingly couldn't turn John Neese into into something useful this year. Um, I think I think you know he's another guy like I think very safe. You know, number four, number three starter. He's got some people like his biggest fans will tell you he's a number two. I don't really buy that, but uh, picking in the, in the late first round, I'll definitely take that. Yeah, that's I think that's a good one. Uh, so 25 here, this is one where picking for th- the A's. Yeah. Picking for the A's. They took Matt Chapman, not, not a terrible pick there, but I'll, I'll go, I'll go with the guy, you know, he slid this far. I'll go with Alex Jackson. Nice. He went, he went sixth to the, the Mariners originally and stock definitely taking a hit, but still first round. And here's where you can kind of use, you know, a little bit of, uh, kind of interpretation here. I think you make a case that if, if Alex Jackson comes into a, a better organization with better um, mm-hmm. kind of developmental uh, pieces in place, he his career maybe is looking a little different at this point. And I think, you know, the A's have shown the ability to kind of get the most out of, out of hitters of his ilk before. So I like that fit quite a bit. Uh, Red Sox picking 26. You know, I could – I could justify going chalk here and just taking Michael Chavis, who they ended up uh, taking at 26. Yeah. I'm actually going to go Mark Zagunis, who the Cubs took 78. Uh, catcher turned outfielder. One, probably the best approach of, a, of any hitter in this draft. Um, the type of guy that, that could legitimately be a 300 average, 400 on base guy at the next level. Not, not going to be a ton of pop in the bat, but someone who could uh, definitely lead off for a, a quality big league team. Yeah, I think that's a good pick there. So I'm at 27, the Cardinals. They got Luke Weaver. Of course, you took him. Nick what? Howard's still out there. Hey, Nick Howard. <laughs> let me let me dive into that. I'm going to go with – I'm interested to hear your take on this because I don't know your thoughts on him. But recently promoted, I, I still kind of believe in – this guy is more than just, you know, maybe a fourth outfielder or so, but Derek Fisher. He's yeah. taking in the competitive balance round of the, uh, round A to to the Astros. I'm going to jump up and grab him here. I think he's a pretty good fit on this team. Yeah, no, I I like that. Uh he was definitely a guy that I've been considering here. He's I you know, it's all going to be about the hit tool for him. Uh, the mm-hmm. speed and the power is definitely there. He's got a really quality approach. Just kind of wonder how much contact he's going to make at the the highest level. But I mean, at this point in the draft, everyone's got everyone's got flaws. Yeah. Uh, now picking twenty eight for the Kansas City Royals. I am going to take. Let's see. 
decide between a couple first basemen here. I think I'm going to take Josh Okami, who the, the Red Sox ended up nabbing all the way down at 164. I think, you know, at, at 28, he's he's a guy that's really kind of surprised some people this year, uh, increased his stock. His, he's in a bit of a funk right now. Average averages dropped down to 242, but uh, still getting on base of 380 clip, has six, 16 homers on the year for uh, low A Greenville. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, the, I mean, there is kind of a drop off here. Some some decent value still still on the board. Nick Howard included. So uh, we're at twenty twenty nine. This is it, right? Blandino. This is my this is my pick here. This is one that you know I don't feel good about many of the remaining options here. So let me just come over before I make my uh, decision final here. Hmm. Yeah, this is tough because, you know, as much as I criticize the Reds, look, Blandino wasn't the pick. But uh, <laughs> if I'm worried doing this, you know, I may just pair up the, the Reed brothers. Go with Cody Reed. Get it, get it's taken significantly Reed. lower. Again, we touched on how he struggled this year. But, you know, I, I don't want to – I don't really want to go with a guy like Forrest Wall. They have, you know, a, a guy like Peraza waiting in the wings. They would to totally – they would totally – Botch Forest Wall, get him in. Oh him yeah, in there. he just just completely wash out. Oh yeah, he'd he'd be terrible. And they have guys waiting in the wings, uh, well Peraza to take over at second. Dilson Herrera as well. We will see. But uh, yeah, I, I think this is a system that's prioritized arms, and we're going to keep that that theme going here. All right, here's a. I think this is a very red. Or I'm, I'm picking thirtieth here for the the Rangers to wrap things up. I think this is a very Rangersy pick. I'm going to take Tuki Toussaint, who ended up going yeah, sixteen is. overall. Really live arm, you know, electric. Uh, maybe they can find a way to make it work for him as a starter. If not, he's he's a high end reliever. Yeah, you got him one sixty eight overall in your your overall top two hundred. So you know a lot of a lot of talent in this draft, but I think. A lot of teams would would like a do over here. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of teams would like to to redo the Reds, especially. Like yeah. this is just not. Well, look again, at, look it's at embarrassing. The, the Marlins at two. Tyler Kolek. Yeah. We didn't even take him. Brady um, Aiken. I mean, obviously they didn't sign him, but uh, maybe that worked out just in terms of saving money. But uh, obviously they they could have had a real impact player here. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll move on and grade Twista quickly. Uh, this is a guy that. Kind of, kind of underappreciated. I'd say nowadays, definitely had a, a peak, maybe in oh four, oh five ish, when he really kind of gained mainstream popularity. We're going to be grading the five tools we've established for evaluating hip hop artists: lyricism, flow, longevity, impact, swag. Grading on the twenty to eighty scouting scale, then giving an overall grade. Lyricism, uh, controversial here. A lot of controversy swirling in the studio. I got a sixty. You got a thirty-five. I, I think it was, you know, the the flow was so unique and he, he spit so fast that uh, some of the lyrics may have been slept on a little bit. You disagree, though. I think if you slow it down and kind of dig into what he's saying, there's not a ton of substance there. It's it's impressive that he is able to uh, kind of get the RPMs up there to, to the point that he does uh, rhyming a lot of the same words, you know, I guess I mean, that's fair. There's, if you're going to rap that fast, there, you're, there's going to be a casualty in terms of substance. You're not going to be able to get it out that fast and then have complicated rhyme schemes. You know, I mm-hmm. think it's just humanly not, not that possible. So uh, 
I think what fair. I think he sacrificed lyricism in a big way to kind of get that that flow to where it was. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I and also like, does it even matter what you're saying if nobody can? Can really tell what tell. you're saying without going online and, and checking out what the lyrics actually are. Probably not. But, you know, I agree with you to some extent. But I'd say, you know, he had this two-album two stretch, Adrenaline Rush and then Mob Stability with the Speed Not Mobsters, where he was just on top. When he hit that stride in terms of uh, mainstream publicity, I think he, he kind of dialed it back. He was kind of forced to, to, to appeal to, uh, well, white people. You know, so that they could actually, you know, White tell what he's tell what he's saying. Middle Flo- schoolers, yeah, <laughs> suburban early middle schoolers. early high schoolers. <laughs> I fit that mold. Uh, flow. I got a seventy-five. This is a really good flow, and <clears throat> yeah, he he did kind of slow it down when he hit that when he really gained that mainstream popularity. But I think overall, I got a seventy-five here, and it's really uh, it's on eighty flow, and I've given out a ton of eighty flows <laughs> recently. <laughs> Uh, Cameron, Ghostface, it's Nate a slap Dog. in the face when you don't give it. Yeah, <laughs> just bumping five off here. <laughs> Look, I, I, I'm a mark for for flows, and uh, he's not Cameron, Ghost, or Nate Dog, but that's a high bar to clear. He's he's pushing it though. Yeah, uh, I get I give him a sixty. To me, it's a very unique flow. Not necessarily my style. I guess if I'm being completely honest sometimes sort of gives me a bit of a headache but uh i I definitely respect the the difficulty in what he pulls off longevity i got a 50 you got a 40 um you know that that peak of his wasn't that long but you still hear him you still hear him and i think you know i kind of use nick whalen as a gauge i feel like whalen at least for people's modern day popularity i feel like whalen would at least know who twist is Wayland's just the gauge of just the the absolute common man. Like <laughs> in terms of hip hop. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. have you heard of this? Um I give him a forty for longevity. I don't think you know, I think there there was that run that you referenced that the, the diehard twist of fans will always always remember and, and look back on fondly, but I think it was only a very brief run that he had that actually resonated with the the general uh, hip-hop audience i'll agree with that impact we both got 40s here i think you know maybe part of the reason too is that maybe people think like i think action bronson clearly ripped off ghostface maybe some people think twisted maybe ripped off bone thugs or like triple six something like that i do i i do i don't i don't really care Mm -hmm. but i don't think I mean, there was. I don't think many people ripped off Twista. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's true. You can't give it. You can't give. Uh, you know, you can't knock really points for copying that style because it was so no. good. But you can't really give him any points for for originality. Swag, I got a sixty-five. I'm gonna lower this. You got a forty. <laughs> I, damn, I, I wanted to hear your justification. <laughs> yeah, for I'm that just 65. gonna bump it to to sixty. I mean, I just think when he spits on the mic, he's just. You know, he's kind of got swag on the mic just in terms of, you know, as fast as he is, it's smooth. And a lot of his songs are about, you know, hooking up with chicks. Okay. So um, I give him credit for well, that. If that's the, if that's all it takes, then every, <laughs> everyone gets a high mark there. I mean, not Kappa. I'm looking at some, I'm looking at some pictures of Twista <laughs> and I got to say, he might rap about hooking up with chicks, but I want to see these chicks because... 
I, I don't I don't think yeah. he's I don't think he's uh shopping at, at yeah, the high, now that the I'm looking end. here. I mean, kind of looks is, like a poor man's E40 almost now uh, with the glasses. You know, he just looks I don't know what he looks. He looks kind of like um I mean, he looks even sh- I, like the, you can't tell how tall he is, but yeah. he honestly looks like he might be like five feet tall. <laughs> like just just looking at at yeah, some of these pictures, true. a lot of you know pictures with like weird chains. He's got a picture here of him like with a chain of like a Rubik's cube in his mouth. Yeah, I saw that. Um, just a lot of really long black shirts and, and kind of crappy fitted hats. I mean. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm not you you already know my stance on on the the glasses look with the fitted hat. <laughs> uh not a fan at all. Uh I hear I, you. You know, I might actually bump my swag grade down here. I'm going to bump mine down further to I'm just going to go straight 20. I'm going to go 50. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> that mine affects mine grade. You might yours <laughs> might dramatically affect affect yours. I still got a 55. I, I like Twisted. You know, I, he's got some songs that I still groove to today. You know, I don't really seek out his new music but if it comes on on a old school mixtape i'll jam to it i'm giving him a 30 uh <laughs> look man sometimes you gotta hate hard and so you're telling him yeah i have him even with e40 i have him one notch above birdman and Capadonna, and a notch below ludicrous <laughs> and i feel very comfortable with that Man, that's some serious shade thrown twist his way. <laughs> I got a 55 overall. I think he's a, a plus player, quite honestly. A guy that oh, big, uh, big time disagreement. <laughs> this is this is a controversial <laughs> controversial grade here. Let us know what you guys think about yeah, Twista. Take, take some sides. Yeah, take a side. Call me out if you if you disagree. Uh, but thanks for listening. We'll be back with you next week. is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-Blade Razor and Shave Gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash blue wire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.